Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. And all y'all that, that, that have, have your glow light on, you may not be able to see, not, not your flashlight, your glow light. You may not be able to distinguish anything, but you can see that glow. From afar, you can see it. And that's the way our Christian life ought to be. We're going to talk about this tonight uh, as, we, as we, we look at our final session. And it's entitled, You Are the Light. You are the light. Our theme scripture is coming from Matthew 5, 14. And these are the words of Jesus where I tried to put it in some part of a red don't show very well on the screen. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. If you remember, for those who was here Wednesday, that in session one, Jesus made a shocking statement. And the Pharisees and religious leaders were stalled. He took the occasion of the Feast of Tabernacle while they would light uh, uh, the lamp as a reminder of how God led them through the wilderness by a pillar of fire at night. And Jesus made this, this statement, that's me. That's me. That was me. So he claimed in now to be the I am. God actually in the flesh. The light of the world. But in this final session, as you can see, Jesus again is speaking. And he tells his followers that include you and I today, that we are the light of the world. Now, how is this possible? How, how is this possible? If Jesus is the light, how can we be the light? Now, the answer to these two, what may seem to be contradictory statement, is that Jesus is the source of the light. Can you say that with me? Jesus is the source of the light. And we are the reflection of his light. Uh, the functional relationship that we have with Jesus is similar to that of the sun and the moon. Moon has no light of its own, but it reflects the, 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 the light of the sun with a glow. Now, again, by us being city dwellers, having street lights and all kind of lights, we really can't appreciate sometimes the light of a, the moon, even when it's full moon. But how many of y'all has gone away and been away someplace that where there was no light, and you see the moon, and you'll say something like, ooh, the moon is bright tonight. It's not so much that the moon is bright, it's the fact that all the other distraction that normally takes your eyes away from it causes you to focus on, on that brightness of the moon. All right. We are called to reflect light, to bring glory to God in the same way. And I want us to kind of get this because it's going to play into something. We are light bearers, not light owners. Our purpose 
is to enhance others who are in darkness to see. We are called to illuminate the pathway to Jesus. In other words, when we got our glow on, we're, we're basically saying to the world, come to me and I can show you how to get to the light based on how they're looking at our light. My wife has a little book called uh, Jesus Calling by a, uh, I think the author is Sabre Young. And, and, and I, I read this, well, she read it to me one day last week, I think 23rd July. These words, and I just said, okay, God, I hear you. We need to use this with VBS. And what Sarah does, she, 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 she speaks based on certain scriptures. She looked at, at Matthew 5, 14, and I believe on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, she writes these words. I am the light of the world. Men cross through their lives, cursing the darkness. But all the while, I am shining brightly. I desire each of my followers to be a what? Light bearer. Now, I had that down before I even read hers. The Holy Spirit who lives in you can shine from your face. I was talking to Taiwan uh, this, this afternoon about her smile. Told her that's her ministry. It, 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 that smile can make him visible to all around. And then she says this as if God is speaking. Ask my spirit to live through you. The light of my presence is shining upon you. Brighten up the world by reflecting who I am. And I change that to mean that I am. God can use anything at any time to bring glory to himself as long as we let our light shine. Now, on the other hand of that, okay, I got to keep my time. He said 745 or 715, 745, okay. On the flip side of that, when we are not really letting our light shine, what are we doing? Now, if the light's out, they can't see us. It's been mentioned by a couple of students about how we sometimes get caught up in churchy stuff, and it's easy to let our light shine in church, but our light shine better in darkness. But if I'm in darkness right now and I don't have my glow on, you can't see me. So they can't see me. So and what I'm saying to you, in the midst of all the things you encounter, I want you to think with me, what turns your light off sometimes? I'm throwing that out there, trying to get y'all to talk to me. What are some of the things that turn the Christian light off? People. Miss Sheila says people. Sheila Walker. Give me an example. In what way are you talking about that, Sheila? Say like if you may have Now you know idea. you got a soft voice, dear. Now come on. <laughs> okay. Maybe like if you have an idea and you um propose it, you get shut down. So you may shut down altogether. 
Mm-hmm. Well, now, I hadn't thought about that because you're talking from like a church perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, go, go, go. Gerald. Uh, and I like what he just said because it's stepping on my toes. Being mad with someone. Yeah, getting upset. Staying mad. Staying mad. Anybody else? How many of y'all are impatient with folk? Well, y'all don't want to confess. We talked about that last night. Y'all got to confess your fault to receive forgiveness. Y'all want to fess up? Digging Walker. <laughs> um, I would say just sometimes you get angered at people. I know today I'm working with a contractor trying, trying to get my uh, some things done to my house. And the way he sees things and the way I see things totally different. You know, and... Um, I was real upset yesterday when he called and he wanted uh, a payment, and I figured the work's got to equal the payment. And so I, I was upset all night, and you know I couldn't <laughs> wait to get him this morning. And it was like I just told him, and it was just, and I had to still think about how do I talk to this guy, you know, still in a Christian way, mm-hmm. and not just do something to him. I uh, said something <laughs> to him that, that that's wrong. You were real and upset, but <laughs> I, I was upset. So, uh, but. Overall, I'd have, we had a long, about an hour conversation, and we got, we got okay. Okay. Y'all remember last night we talked about that sin nature? That just because you got a light doesn't eradicate that sin nature? You still got it in you? As, as I, I said in one message, the gorilla that you, you, that you got right now, but sometimes that gorilla get loose. Think about this. Oftentimes, it's demonically designed. Satan knows each of you very well. That's why I call familiar spirit. And he knows exactly what's going to tick you off. So here's what you have to do. You have to be prepared for it. Now, y'all know I don't like late stuff, late people, late service. You know I'm going to have that just about every Sunday, don't you? Something is going to happen. And then what happened one day is I found myself late. <laughs> and Ron Morgan reminded me that I was late for the men's prayer meeting. He was right. So, so, so sometimes you have to realize, okay, uh, Beelzebub, you, 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 you know what take me off, but I'm not going to let you have this victory tonight. I'm going to stay calm in this situation. Now, for you guys that are married, y'all know sometimes we can hit below the belt, don't you? You know exactly what's going to really hurt the other person how to get back. You know exactly what it is. And you save it for them special moments, don't you? <laughs> all of these things, and actually we bring it to an evangelistic point of view, all of these things dull our light that we're not careful. Yes, ma'am. I don't know why y'all don't have a mic on that side. No, they say it wasn't going to get Fred no mic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was just thinking a couple of things. Um, of course, there's no excuse, but you just ask for reasons that I like may be dim. And I was thinking fear is one and um, peer pressure. Because a lot of times we think about peer pressure, we only think about like school. But it's adult peer pressure, too. Yes, yes, It yes. is the same thing in adult peer pressure. So I was just thinking about those are two things, especially, like, I think you were saying on one night about trying to be successful and doing what it takes to be successful. And so, you know, sometimes 
you know, if we're not careful, we'll dim our light to make sure we meet that earthly goal. But, you know, yeah. the spiritual one can can get kind of to the side if we're not careful. Good point, Kay. What about what about let's let's look at this. I'm looking at some of my greasers and nurses tonight. You got someone that's coming to church. Maybe they've been convicted about something and they're looking for something. Anytime anybody comes to church, usually for a first time, they're looking for something. What happens when they get to the door? Versus what should happen. What happens when they come? They're greeted. They're greeted. They're greeted. Okay. How they're greeted? Happily. Okay. Is that is, is that really what happened? I mean, I'm I'm just asking. I don't want y'all to think of New Pine Grove because we that's one thing we instill. We try to anyway. But I've heard so many horror stories about people that come to church. And and immediately they don't see light. Jerry? Yeah, I think most of the time, you know, um, churches like you go visiting and you come in and everybody just look around, you know, and they're like, okay, who that person is? And they're really not friendly, you know, and you kind of sit there and like, should I be here or, or what? So uh, I think that's what you get most, most often. Here's my pet peeve, and I think many of y'all know that. What do we do during the, the, uh, the welcome? Uh, right before fellowship, those who are doing the welcome ask the first-time visitors to do what? Now, you out there standing. You're in, a, you're in a strange place, a place you ain't never been before. And you see, what do you see? <laughs> yeah, you, you see people going everywhere, and here I am up there standing by myself. You just turned your light on. Bailey. Um, in a, I agree with the, the, the visitors, but you know some, I grew up in church where even when you were family, church family, um, is one of those things like when you were sitting in a certain seat, a sister would come up, and I've been asked, you in my seat. Yeah. And then you come to church and you prepare to have a good time, and here's somebody come up and touch you on your shoulder and say, you in my seat. Boy, there goes that light. Yeah, that 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 definitely would be one turn. Huh? What about church service? What about something like if God ever done anything for you, you ought to stand up and clap your hand. <laughs> Sounds like a good thing, don't it? But what if I don't know Jesus? What if I don't know the song? What position have you just put me in, Morgan? I know one thing that turns me off is somebody, if, if you don't stand up for a visitor, uh, seeing any visitors here, and you don't stand up, and then for you to say, hey, you, you, you get up and, and, and tell about yourself, that ticks me off to know Yeah, end. yeah, 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 yeah. Patrick, pass the mic across the aisle, Ron. Um, I guess I can say... Also, I guess being in church too long to some people <laughs> in the nicest way. <laughs> be, um, let's be real. Now. <laughs> I'm just saying because um, some people think that church should last 
for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And after that certain amount of time, that time hit, all right, be wrapping it up, you know, because it's time to go. I got to get the food. I got to get to the game or whatever you got to get to, you know. So if something is held too long during the service, they start <laughs> looking around, you know. <laughs> so That fact, you know, you've been in the Pentecostal church that's heard last four hours. I don't know what you're you know what? You know what the problem? Let me get off the step here. You know what the problem that y'all got is Grovian? Y'all small. <laughs> y'all <are> small. <laughs> but that's you know what, Patrick, you're right on. Cause really, that's where I, that developed my style of mission. Cause I remember the first time I, I started going to church on regular basis, I was talking to, to at that time Ann's pastor Willie Reed. And uh, I was, he was telling about, and we were, we were friends, we had a relationship because he was a salesman and I was a buyer. And he said something, he said, Dave, I don't have church long. He said, I, he said I'm, I'm, we out there by 12 o'clock. That sold me. Because the NFL today came on at 12.30, so <laughs> that sold me. <laughs> There's a lot of little soul things that can cause us to, to, to uh, turn out our light. But we must remember that we are light bearers. Remember we said that it's God's light, not yours. And whatever he gave you, such as when I was talking about Tawana, about her smile, it ain't for you. It's for somebody else, as Pat always said. So when you withhold that, you, you, it's not something that you really think about, but you're turning your light out that may draw somebody else to you. See, there are some people, and, and, and I pick on some people like Felicia. There are some people that you guys can reach that I can never reach. Never reach. And God knows that. And see, y'all don't realize, sometimes when one of the ministers preaching, somebody come down and get a life for, to Christ first time, it may not be the word that was spoken at all. It may very well be how you treated them. The words that you say to them. The genuineness and, and making them feel like they're part of us. So that last one said, the light of my presence is shining upon you. Brighten up the world by reflecting who I am. Here's the textual background. This thing. Chapter 5 begins with Jesus going upon that mountain near Jerusalem. And from this vantage point, the city could clearly be seen. There he began to teach those who followed him. Jerusalem was located on an adjacent hill, and at night, the lights of the city could be clearly seen from far distant. So those who traveled in the darkness of night had a clear direction to the city. It was no doubt about where that city was. Coming from Jericho, you could just, you, you, you get five miles away, and you could really see the city because of the lights in the city. In verses 3 to 12, Jesus speaks to the multitude. His message is known as the Sermon on the Mount. His message was centered upon the word blessed. Blessed to me, blessed this song. It's called today to be out of truth. But in verses 12 and 13, Jesus directs his message specifically to his disciples. Jesus starts by proclaiming them as salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. Notice the difference between the earth and the world. You're the salt of the earth. 
His disciples would have understood Jesus' message as a calling. Salt, and I didn't put it in there, but salt fertilizes, salt preserves, and salt enhances flavor. But more importantly, a lot of us don't realize salt creates thirst. Y'all remember me last night talking about the subliminal clip where they put a pitcher of popcorn in the middle of a movie and you don't realize why you're thirsty or why you have a desire for popcorn? They create in you a thirst. And that's something that we got to realize. If we live a humdrum, defeated life, who wants to be like we are? But we're going through hell. But we're living with heaven on our mind. We're going to create a thirst. Somebody's going to ask, how are you handling this? I'm looking right now, two women in this congregation that lost sons. Yet they're both here. They're both loving. They're both smiling. And I guarantee you, if there's somebody else who loses a child, they can witness to them where I can't. That's one reason you don't never be, need to be ashamed of your testimony. What have God brought you through? So a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize that. Stand up, Sandra. Stand up, Galetta. I, I just wanted to bring, bring your attention. They both got the glow on, too. <laughs> These are champions in that area. Would they rather have their son still with them? Of course they would. But they don't. But they are light and a testimony to what God can do in the darkest hour. Thank you, ladies. Well, I can name some more. But my point is, let me just, let me just, just name one individual. Man, that gets on my nerves sometimes so much. Love him dearly. Ron Morgan. <laughs> some of y'all don't realize the pain that he's in sometimes. What he's gone through. Yeah, he can get on your nerve with his overbearing desire to have everybody to be on the evangelism team. <laughs> but he presses his way. And a lot of y'all don't even realize he's pressing. What's the song? If I can just press in his presence. There, there are countless of people I think about Cat Hall, she ain't here. And I saw her in the choir. Been singing. You don't realize what that woman has gone through. But every time I see her, I see the glory of God. Amen. What God can do. And each of you have your own testimony. It may not be as profound as those, but you do. And in that, you can create thirst. So whenever you get an opportunity to tell your testimony that God has brought you from, don't hesitate because you'll create thirst in somebody else. Because they're going to want to know, how in the world can you get over this? How in the world can you do this? Amen. Thirst can only be satisfied with water. I know a lot of people want to drink other stuff, but that other stuff has water in it. It can only be satisfied with water. To be saw on the earth means the Christian way of living should create thirst for the living water. 
That's another one that I am, Jesus said. One definition of thirst is a craving or a strong desire for something. But this thirst, this craving, this desire cannot be quenched if the water source cannot be found. So Jesus does not end with calling his disciples the salt earth. He also issued a call for them to be light of the world. So the light going to lead them to the water. Y'all got me? Amen. Uh, I don't want to read tonight. Who got the mic? Go ahead, Karen. You, you are, are the, the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. I can see those. <laughs> read it again. Read it slower, Morgan. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. What two things are highlighted up there, class? Okay. Now I want y'all to focus on that. Now let's let's gotta break break this down. The person, the pronoun that John used, you is emphatically stated. It means you alone or only you. Now, who's he talking to? All right. In the, in the context, remember, he was talking to the multitude, but then he turns his attention to his followers. He's talking to you. Jesus was speaking of their ability of influence of others. You realize you influence other folks? Boom. That's another reason the devil wants you to think low of yourself. He don't, he, don't, he don't want you to think that you have influence on other people. Again, I have to kind of remind my little receptionist of that. <laughs> you have influence. Jesus also said to his disciples that their influence would be evident. He said that light cannot, cannot be hid. A light is meant to shine and give direction, thus their lives would be radiant and point others to the proper path which will lead to him. Cannot be hid. So what are we doing? We got some issues with this, Dumba. Either a lot of people are not saved, or the scripture is lying. And we know the latter ain't true, don't we? Now, here's the point, and then I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead because I don't want anybody to, to doubt their salvation. Remember, we've been talking about walking in the light. If you're walking in the light, that light cannot be hid. Impossible. Somebody ought to know there's something, and some of you probably heard that, Amber. There's something about you. Or they'll say something once they find out, I knew it was something different about you. Light cannot be hid. They may not be able to identify what it is, but it's something there. Got to be. Why didn't you retaliate in a certain situation? Some people may even say it's a negative thing. They're a coward, uh, they're a wimp, or whatever, but 
that that's that light shine that they can't understand. A light is meant to shine and give direction. Thus there's lies which radiate and point others to the proper path which leads to him. Remember again, you are the light for one particular reason only, and that's to lead other people to him. That's the only reason you have the light. Your walking in the light is to reveal things to you so your light can become brighter. You follow me? I heard somebody say uh, about light being dim. Uh, some of you may remember when uh, I had a, a van and I had a white van, a caravan. We went to Atlanta one one I visited visiting Mama, and uh, we were driving by. Started to rain, then honey. I mean, it's pouring down, coming down, down. All of a sudden, I think she said, "Lights ain't as bright as they were." I ain't think nothing about. It. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, they started getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Oh, goodness gracious, in the rain. I think I had my sister come pick me up or something. Had to drive her car back. The light went dim because the alternator was not charging the battery. Is there things that happen in our lives that cause our light to be dim? Now, not only could I not see but people could not see me. Hebrews 10.25, we talked about last night, fail not to assemble yourself. As a man of some, folks, that's what recharges you. I'm telling you. How many of y'all got personal devotional time? Was well, in the morning, in the night, you have something that you read along with the Bible. Daily bread is one example. A lot of your Bibles you have got devotionals. Something that will continue to recharge your battery. How many of y'all read the Daily Bread this morning, as a matter of fact? If you read the Daily Bread this morning and you were here last night, you should have said, wow. Because it came from the same one. All right, Pat, I guess we're going to have to stop our Daily Bread and nobody reading it. By comparing his disciples to light, Jesus was demonstrating that they are the only one who can show the world the way out of darkness. Jesus said that the blind lead the blind, they fall in the ditch. All of these things, all of these gimmicks that people are trying to, to, to use, these self-help books and all that stuff, all that is darkness and leading people right into the ditch. Only they, the disciples, can illuminate the pathway to salvation, and only they can demonstrate what God can do in a transformed life. My daddy would say right now, I told my name. What, what, what is a transformed life? Keon says, a change is a different. You're right on, brother. Here's, here's, here's one of the problems that we have sometime in the church. We got people who grew up in the church, 
parents brought them to church, got saved in the church, got to work in the church. They have lived a pretty moral life all their life. And their light has pretty much always been shining. But when they try to relate to somebody that's in darkness, they find it's difficult. What about someone who lived a life of darkness and had an encounter with Jesus and was saved? And you see a radical change. Who are you drawn to? Who captivates your, your, your thought when you see a change? I, I've, I've shared this with my wife a, a lot when we were coming up in, in ministry, both in D.C. and in Warren Robins. I've seen a lot of people respond to songs, come to Jesus, you know, one of the old favorite, uh, the cybership come just as I am. Uh, I've seen a lot of people come down the aisle and unite with churches. And I've seen that as church grow and become popular, it seems like the more people unite with them. My partner, my fishing partner, James Spire, who's an elder at Fellowship, 2,500 member church, we share a lot and we talk about how things are similar and different in a mega church versus a church like ours. He was telling me how many people have united with the church after, since Pastor Reed has died and they got a new pastor. He said, but yet attendance has not increased on Sundays. Over 300 people have joined. No, it's more than that. I think it's about 800 has joined in the last 18 months. But the church attendance on Sunday has not increased. Bible study has not increased. Since when they have a new members orientation, they have it different than we do. Out of the members that join in a month, 25 members, only five show up for the new members orientation. What's up with that? I, I, I wanted to bring this out because people join church for different reasons. Here's my whole point in saying all this. I don't get excited when people join churches. Not even ours. But when I see an individual whose life changed, I'm ready to shout then. I'm ready to shout. Now, I'll talk about all those people that we had joined in fellowship. There was one individual that even today still impressed me by the name of Leon Wynn. Leon Wynn was a gifted athlete, and I had the privilege of coaching a, uh, a, the, the softball team, the basketball team for fellowship. And his, he had Three songs in the church, and everybody was telling me, we can win the championship if Leon was there. Leon, my daddy, my dad this. And said, Pastor, let him play. I said, he's not a member of church. But every other church is letting other people play, and they did. I said, no, he's not going to play because he ain't a member of church. And I talked to him, yeah, I'll come and join the church, but you're going to let me play. No, no, that ain't what we're all about. But for whatever reason, he came to a revival one night. And the young man that was preaching didn't even finish his message. 
And he said, who wants to go for Jesus? In the middle of the, of the message, Leon said, I do. He, and he came down right there. We stopped here right there and took him over plan of salvation. And today he's a pastor of a church down in South Georgia. His life radically changed. And, and, and I get excited about that. Now, my point is, how does God change your life? What testimony do you have that you are willing to share? When you don't, you have a tendency to be like me in that caravan. Your light gets dimmer. And the more you travel, the dimmer that light gets. To the point that you stop. And you're just there. Again, you can reach people that the evangelism team can't reach, I can't reach, based on letting your light shine. And I'm going to say this again, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but you got a testimony that you're trying to cover up because you're really ashamed of your past. But your testimony is going to free somebody. Now, I'm not saying you got to get up in public and say it. But God's going to give an opportunity. Morgan. And Pastor, it's not just what we've been through, what we go through now. You know, we ask for prayer for certain things, and then whatever happens, happens. You know, you get better. We don't ever come back and say, well, Lord, heal me, or, or this what occurred. or You never hear it because I feel better now, so I don't need no more prayers. So I just go on about my business. But when I need something... I'm always, yeah. You know, pray for me, you know, type thing. I, I like I like that, Ron, because we, us muscle seniors that, that meet on Thursday at twelve, we see this all the time. We know God has moved. We see God moving, and it's been a few people that have to come by on Thursday and thank us. But we ought to tell testimony. If you're requesting prayer and God answers your prayer, let somebody know God answered my prayer. I mean, y'all heard me say this before. We give too much credit to happen chance and mistakes. Amen. Amen. The doctors thought he saw something. But when I went back, there was nothing on the x-ray. <laughs> That's my whole point, Dunbar. That's my whole point. He did see something. But you ask somebody to pray for you, you pray for yourself, and God moved in a mighty way. Now all of a sudden, we're going to attribute it to technology mm-hmm. or some error? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll leave. Mm-hmm. I won't tell my other story. We'll go on. Karen Brooks, can you read that for us? <laughs> Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Another one of them soft voices. <laughs> Does she ever get loud in the house, y'all? <laughs> Busted. <laughs> 
I know Karen Morgan does. Huh? What about Sheila? Does she ever get loud now? <laughs> what about this Sheila? Does she ever get loud now? Yo, Sheila. He <laughs> women with these soft voices. Boy, I bet they can come out of the woods, can't they? I mean, let me turn my light out now. <laughs> There's a switch here. Jesus now moved from light or city lights to home lights. Jesus first illustrated the misuse of the purpose of a house light. A house lamp has only one purpose, to shine, to shine. Putting the house light under a bucket defeats the purpose of the light. Jesus also addressed the position of the light. A lampstand allows the light to be elevated so it can illuminate the entire house where everyone in the house can see. So what we've done here, we move from evangelistic efforts to everyone to a close environment of those people we know and love. And I heard somebody say this once before. It's much easier for me to talk to someone about Christ that I don't know than for me to talk to someone about Christ that I do know. Some of y'all find that to be true. Morgan. And Pastor, you never know what, what would trigger trigger people. Uh, I had an individual walk by me and ask me was I a pastor, and I told him no. But what had triggered him was the fact that my cologne, you always smell good. What is that you got on? You know, and, and I thought he felt free to come ask me that once he got past the thing that I wasn't a pastor. He thought you were a pastor because of what? Just because of the way I was carrying myself, but he got the the, the cologne of what drew him. I guess I my wife get on me all the time because I don't wear cologne. See, you don't have put on no cologne, and I go and get a little bit when she said. So if that's a requirement, Pastor Morgan, <laughs> you need to come and take the click. <laughs> but I do understand your point. It's 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 really that. Difference, and we're gonna we're gonna deal with that. And I know a lot of time, a lot of people don't like the idea that difference. But now we're talking about the house, and I've heard some horror stories too, Stevie. Somebody tell me, oh, "You just don't know what he does in the house." Yeah, he come to church, and he all sank the morning there, but he get in the house and he turns to the biggest devil you ever want to see. Yeah, I heard that. No confession. No comments. <laughs> it's hard being married. I'll be the first one to tell you that. It's hard being married. It's hard being a parent. In today's society... I'm thankful that I'm not a parent. And I pray for it and I sympathize for those of you that are. It's bad enough dealing with these grandkids that we got. And they're 
I'm grown attitude. I wish I had listened. And you still out there trying to take care of them, helping them out, son, because you love them. Now I play, I play, I play. Uh, Kay, uh, Kay, I tell you, I, I, I'm gonna play daddy. I'm gonna play granddaddy. And if you ain't doing, doing, it, I'm gonna do it. That's just my nature, and that might make some people mad, but. I, I, that's just me. But we got to be careful about how we act in the environment compared to how we act at home. In other words, we let our light shine out in the community, in the church. We get home and we turn that sucker out. We got to be careful. Husbands are not loving their wives and Christ loves the church and wives are not submissive at home. But the common church is yesterday. Go ahead, Jeremy. <laughs> Do you think that we um, lose our light when we focus on the issues around us and we don't put God in that, like whatever issue we're facing? Because of course. I'm trying to think of if you always, in which, like I said, I'm not saying I do, but if you put God first and you think about it in spiritual terms in God, you would keep your light, but it seems like in a lot of issues we take on ourselves and we try to address, and that's when we lose our light. Uh, that's when our light is dim. Was it Psalm 39, Psalm 34? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all the ways acknowledge him, and he will direct that path. That's one of the hardest things to do. Now, let let newsflash now. When it comes to husband and wife, Satan don't want y'all on one accord. Because y'all got so much power when you have it. So much power. I mean, I know, I know the scripture says two can put a thousand a flight and all that, but I'm not basing on that. I'm basing on the oneness that Jesus said, the two shall become one. So since he don't want it, He's going to do everything in his power to keep y'all from being one accord. And if he has to use chillers to do it, he's going to use it. Simple. Dick and Miller. You know, Pastor, I was just thinking, and uh, I see this commercial on TV when it says, uh, you know, I'm not real a dentist. I'm a dentist monster. <laughs> and I think when we turn our light off around certain situations, we're not really Christians. We're Christian monitors. <laughs> and when I see that, I'm That's just saying, a good one, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying when our light is not illuminated. Yeah. it's so, so the point, we just monitors. Why are you going to monitor the problem if you're not going to fix it? That's what the commercial says. <laughs> The world is hurting. The world is broke. They want to see something that's whole and something that's fixed. We need to be honest with them. There is no perfect individual. There's no perfect marriage. We all going to have problems. But like Ann and I say, we're going to get and have our intense fellowship. But at the end of the day, we both going to be in 116 Mad Drive. We know that. No ifs and but about it. 
And I'm going to wait till the Lord deal with her or she going to wait till the Lord deal with me. Simple as that. Again, going back to that scripture, you got to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding tells you to be vindicted, to strike back, to say this. And that sin nature is going to tell you, you the man. Or I ain't going to let no man do this to me. Should have thought about that before you said I do. Y'all supposed to laugh right then. Who got a mic over here? Y'all in the gateway, read it, Pat. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. By good works, Jesus means moral integrity. Integrity is what you would do in the dark when nobody else could see. If you could do this and you wouldn't get caught, but you do it. Moral Christian behavior speaks louder than mere Christian words. We are the light of the world, not part of the world. Therefore, the way we conduct ourselves must be different than the world. The results of our moral behavior is that our Lord receives the glory. We should live in such a way that others will recognize it can only be through the grace of God. Why are you still coming when your God that you call let your son die? Or let your husband die? Or let you contract the disease? Why are you still faithful? Why do you still believe in God? That's just bringing glory to God. No, we don't understand all that God is doing. But do we understand that he's God? He's sovereign. And he has a purpose behind everything that he does or he allows to happen. That's what Solomon meant when he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him. Lead not to your own understanding. Go ahead, Doc. What I'm learning too, Pastor, also is uh, God don't owe me no answers. No, he don't. If you want to do something, you know, he don't have to consult with me. You know, for, for a little while, you know, I, I, God, why you do this? You know, what's, what's going on with that? And, you know, going back to what Job, when you read Job. That's where I was going with that. Where were you? Right. That, that's exactly right. We, we, have, we have good hindsight in the man that I think went through more than anybody in the Bible, Job. Yet our hindsight tells us it was God's idea. Our hindsight says that Satan came to, to God and God challenged him coming before the sons of God. What you doing? He's I've been going back and forth. And even though scripture don't say, I've been going back and forth trying to find somebody that I can mess up. And God responded, have you considered my servant Job? Mm -hmm. Devil might not even have no concept of Job. He said, I ain't going to touch Job. That's one guy I ain't going to touch because you got a hedge about him. Mm -hmm. you, you, you got him protected. But if you didn't have that, I'd mess him up. Mm -hmm. 
God said, I'm going to take it away. You do what you want to do. Just spare the life. Morgan. And Pastor, we got, can look back at Job. Job didn't have nobody to look back at. That's, that's, he, he's on his own. That's <laughs> and, exactly right. And we can look back at that and still have problems. And, and, and then after that, we find that his well-meaning friends. Yep. The Ron Morgans came. <laughs> <laughs> trying to preach to him. And he responded in such a way that Job has gotten frustrated. Look, I know I ain't did nothing wrong. You guys are trying to say that God is punishing me for sin, but I know I ain't did nothing wrong. And matter of fact, God, you being unjust in punishing me. If calamity comes as a result of my life, you've been unjust, God. And even though in the midst of things, he said, even though he may kill me, I'm going to trust him, but I don't understand God. And here's the, here's the point that Morgan's bringing out. When God does speak to him, he never gives him an answer. He never says, well, look, I use you to prove something to say. I use you to prove that even though I can take everything that is valuable to you, you still will love me. You still will trust me. That would probably make Job say, oh, okay, God, I understand now. You're going to restore all this stuff. But God just told him, and can I use this term, who the heck are you? To tell me how to run my universe. Where were you when I created everything? Did you see me when I told the sun to be? The rain to fall? The tide? Where were you, Job? And Job said, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. I ain't going to say a word. He never told him. Never gave him a reason. So sometimes we got to realize that God ain't, don't, as the doc said, he don't owe us nothing. Morgan, go ahead. Yep, and that's a slap in Satan's face. We don't see that part. But Satan wanted to do some damage. He wanted to take advantage of I dog somebody out. But when Job didn't bow down, it's kind of like, see, this human being didn't turn against me like you did. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. God don't owe us no answers. Sovereign Lord don't owe us nothing. Walker. And I do think sometimes, you know, um, that we think because we're working hard for the Lord or we're in church and we're praying, we're doing everything, you know, we're coming to Bible study and we're working for God that we get to a point where we're thinking bad stuff don't happen, that we're, you know, we're going to just get blessing after blessing after blessing. And that's really not the case. You know, we're still going to have those same trials, those same tribulations. And then we look at somebody like that don't come to church, that do whatever they want to do. And like, oh, you know. You know, why, why aren't they going through what I'm going through? I'm catching it. Hey Amen. This is my take on why, because we back to why do Christians suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people? I firmly believe that in the day of reckoning, at the thoneness of the white throne judgment, that when God is condemning people to eternal separation, to eternal death, that they're going to people get up there and make excuses. 
didn't trust you because you allowed my son to die. So I just didn't trust you. Come here, Sarah. Come here, Sandra. Come here, Coletta. Tell them your story. I didn't trust you because I had a bout with cancer. Come here, Maddie. Tell your story. I didn't trust you because I lost my husband. Come here, Felicia. Tell your story. For every excuse that man's going to give, God's going to have somebody there that did trust him. They went through the same thing. I didn't trust him because I lost my baby daughter. Come here, Dunbar. Tell your story. So whoever you're going to, you end up being a testimony against somebody who went through the same thing you did, but turned their back on God. And maybe, just maybe, that's why you're going through what you're going through. Again, here's the summation coming from that devotional of my wife from Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. Let my love seep into the inner recession of your being. Do not close off any part of yourself from me. I know you inside and out, so do not try to present a clean up self to me. Wounds that you shut away from the light of my love will fester and become wormy. Secret sin that you hide from me can split off and develop a life or lives of their own, controlling you without you realizing it. Bottom line here is coming into his life. Open yourself fully to my transforming presence. Let my brilliant love light, search out, and destroy hidden fears. This process requires time alone with me as my love soak into your innermost being. So what have we looked at this week? First night we looked at Jesus confirmed that he was the light. Then Thursday last night we looked at Jesus called us to walk in the light. And lastly, tonight, Jesus commanded us to be the light of the world. You in there, Jeff? Cut the lights out. So the last thing I want to say to you guys, let your light shine and glow as you go. Amen. Stand with me, please. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.